Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's online service. We want to remind you that we are now back in person in the sanctuary meeting together on Sunday mornings. And if you'd like to come, all you have to do is go on our website, epcoakville.com, and click the register link there to attend. Registration is mandatory. You can do that from Monday at 9 a.m. until Friday at noon. You can always follow us, our youth group, uh, our kids ministry, on our Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you have any prayer requests, please make sure to email those to us or call us. And we'll be sure to add your name to the list. So that's all for now. We hope you have a great day and God bless.
Today's scripture reading is from Luke 4, verses 14 to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Hello everyone. When I was growing up, fishing was a big part of my life. While I did spend time on the side of a pond or a nice little brook hoping to catch a few trout, the fishing that I primarily focused on and was a part of was cod fishing, fishing the cold waters of the North Atlantic. Every August and September, my father fished cod with the goal of catching enough to take our family through the winter. And he was a very successful fisherman. He had learned how to fish and where to fish from his father, who learned it from his father, who learned it from his father. Knowledge of these prime fishing shallows was passed down from generation to generation. Because they didn't have a GPS, once they discovered these prime areas, they used landmarks around them to help them know where the prime fishing grounds were located. My father called these landmarks simply the marks, the marks. The marks ranged from a tree to a hill to the point of an island, etc. And lining up these marks in a specific way ensured that you were where you were supposed to be. I loved fishing with my dad, except my job wasn't to fish most often. My job was to use the oars to make sure that the boat didn't drift off of the grounds, rowing while keeping my eyes on the marks. But there was a problem. See, I was a young boy who easily got distracted and bored. And so more often than not, I would be shocked out of my daydreaming by the bellowing voice of my dad, reminding me to keep the boat on the marks. A successful haul of codfish was dependent on remaining on the grounds. And remaining on the grounds was dependent on keeping your focus on the marks. Today, we are continuing our sermon series entitled The Re-Series, R-E Series, Moving Forward by Going Back. The prefix re literally translated means again or again and again. And throughout this series, we'll be focusing on themes that we need to consider again and again as we move forward to be who God has called us to be. Today, we'll be focusing on the word remind remind. The word remind means to bring attention to something, especially a commitment or a necessary course of action that has been neglected or forgotten. 
What we'll be reminded of today is the mission of Jesus, which is incidentally the mission of all followers of Jesus. It is the mission of the church. Jesus said that his followers would be fishers of men. And Jesus made it clear that the primary focus of the mission is to make disciples. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus declared his mission, breaking down the details of this mission for us. In essence, what he is saying is this. The mission of making disciples is the fishing ground. It's the ground that I want you to focus on, to stay on. You will know that you are in the right place by paying attention to the marks. And Luke 4 provides us with the marks. And if the marks align, we are in the right place doing the right thing. Sometimes we, followers of Jesus, the church, struggle like I did as a boy. We get distracted. We stop paying attention. And we find ourselves drifting away from the mission that Jesus has called us to. When we do, we need to reacquaint ourselves with the marks so that we can realign our priorities. Our focus today is this. To move forward, we need to be reminded of the mission of Jesus and take the necessary course of action to ensure that we are where we should be doing what we should be doing. The first thing I want to address this morning is Jubilee. From the very beginning of creation, God built into his creation the practice of Sabbath. The principle being that there is more to life than the daily toll of working and earning. That rest and relationship with him and with each other was critically important. And so every seventh day was the Sabbath, a day of rest and focus on relationship with him celebrated within the relationships of family. Added to that was a Sabbath year. Israel was an agricultural society, and every seventh year they were forbidden to prune the vineyards, to prune the olive trees. They were not allowed to plow the ground or sow for a harvest. The people and the land needed rest and recovery. They would live off of what the land naturally produced without any investment during the seventh year. Added to this was the year of Jubilee. After seven sets of seven Sabbath years, or 49 years, the 50th year was declared a year of Jubilee. It was the ultimate of Sabbaths. God would provide enough food for them without them having to do anything. The start was proclaimed with the sounding of the ram's horn. Jubilee, literally interpreted, means ram's horn. It was a proclamation of liberty, of freedom, of release, of cancellation, return, rest, redeeming of the people and the land. It was understood in Israel that the land belonged to God. It was given to individuals to steward the land. And if a person found themselves in financial difficulty, they could sell the stewardship of the land to someone else for whatever duration of time was remaining until the year of Jubilee. During Jubilee, the land was returned at no charge to the original steward of the land. If a house was sold on the land, it had to be returned for free. In tough financial times, whole families sold themselves as servants to work to pay off a debt owing. 
During Jubilee, the debt was forgiven and the families were released and set free. The theme of the year of Jubilee was return, release, redemption, restoration of people and their property. The poor, the destitute, were the primary beneficiaries during the year of Jubilee. All Old Testament practices pointed forward to a day when those practices would be fulfilled with the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Ongoing animal sacrifice was replaced and fulfilled in the one-time sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Salvation through the law was replaced and fulfilled with salvation based on faith in the saving grace of Jesus. Periodical empowering of the Holy Spirit for certain individuals for certain tasks was replaced and fulfilled with the empowering of the Holy Spirit on all followers of Jesus for all time. The year of Jubilee, the 50-year practice of redemption, restoration, releasing from bondage, would be replaced and fulfilled with the coming of God's kingdom, where people would be restored, redeemed, and released on an ongoing daily basis. The year of Jubilee pointed to a future breaking in of God's kingdom on the earth. Secondly, today we're going to look at the context of our passage. The practice of Jubilee had long been lost in Israel. The result is that the religious leaders had become increasingly wealthy, while the lower class experienced poverty, rejection, and abuse. And they watched these religious elite increasing in power, control, and resources. Jesus appeared on the scene during a definite Jubilee breakdown. Luke goes to great length to show us that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the anointed one of Israel. We see the activity of the Holy Spirit from his birth, to his dedication at the temple, to his baptism, to his testing in the wilderness, and to the leading into the town of Nazareth on this Sabbath day that we'll be considering in our passage. In fact, this account begins with the words of Jesus where he stands and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. Jesus was anointed to carry out the mission of the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus had been teaching in their synagogues. People praised him. His reputation began to spread around the area. Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth, and it was the Sabbath, and so he went into the synagogue, as was the practice. Synagogue services had a prescribed pattern. Began with reading a portion of the law. The next reading came from the prophets. And so Jesus stood up and it was a sign that he wanted to participate, to help officiate this service. Now, this was not uncommon. It was customary to give opportunity to visiting rabbis and teachers. Jesus was popular and so they conceded. It's important to note that all the readings for each service were predetermined ahead of time. And so the next scripture to be read from the prophets was Isaiah chapter 61. Jesus read the text while standing. This was in respect to the word of God. But then he sat down when he finished. The custom, once the reading of the scriptures was done, was to sit on a small platform and comment on what was, had been read. And so all eyes are on him. They're waiting to see what Jesus will say about what he just read. And then Jesus drops the bomb on them. He says, today, this prophecy has been fulfilled before your very eyes. It's been fulfilled in him. 
He was the anointed one. He was the Messiah. He was the subject of this prophecy. And his message was delivered in such power and conviction that they all received it. Well, at least for now. Thirdly, let's consider mission. What exactly did Jesus read? And what does it tell us about the mission that he came to accomplish? What were the marks, if you will, of his mission? In verses 18 and 19, it outlines Jesus' agenda. It outlines what God had sent him to do, his mission. And there were three parts to it. The first was proclamation. The words preach and proclaim are synonyms. What Jesus is doing here is he's standing in a synagogue and he is figuratively blowing the ram's horn. He is declaring that the long-awaited kingdom of God is now breaking in among them before their very eyes. And it's not like they thought it would be. It's a spiritual kingdom, not an earthly political kingdom. The breaking in has begun. What Jesus is saying is this. I have come to not only restore the Jubilee breakdown, but I have come to take it to a level that you have never experienced it before. It's no longer a 50-year event. From this moment on, it is an everyday event. Jesus will spend the rest of his ministry declaring that the kingdom of God had come in him, that this is the year of the Lord's favor. A new jubilee had arrived, and life from this moment will never be the same again. Secondly, healing. When Jesus declared recovery of sight for the blind, he was no doubt referring to actual physical healing, but I believe it wasn't just limited to blindness. Healing and miracles in general were physical, were emotional, and were spiritual healing. Luke portrays Jesus as one who is a prophet, who is mighty in both word, proclamation of the kingdom truth, but also deed, working of supernatural miracles that support the message that he is proclaiming. Healing in the ministry of Jesus is an affirmation that the kingdom of God had begun to break in on them and what they will experience and observe is just a foretaste of what life is like in the kingdom of God. As the kingdom begins to break in, healing and miracles become a normal part of spiritual life. Whenever you read of Jesus proclaiming the truth of the kingdom, you see miraculous works supporting his teaching. They go together. They complement one another. They need each other. Blindness is also a reference to lacking understanding. Jesus will heal the blindness of the ignorant and help them see and understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Thirdly, releasing. Jesus references the poor, the prisoners, the oppressed, and the broken. He addresses them in the context of the year of the Lord's favor of Jubilee. It's Jubilee language that he uses. Poor, freedom, recovery, release, all words that belong in Jubilee language. 
God has always elevated the importance of the poor and caring for the poor. And now Jesus is reiterating that the kingdom of God belongs to the poor. Those who were sick were poor because they couldn't work. By healing them, Jesus released them from the enslavement of poverty. By offering forgiveness and performing exorcisms, he released people from their spiritual bondage and invited them back into their community. He fed the hungry. He elevated the value of those that society rejected by spending time with them. He was moved with compassion when he saw the needy. The physically poor and the spiritually poor will experience life change. There are three observations that I would like to draw from this text so we can be reminded of how we can practically focus on the marks and fulfill the mission of Jesus. The first mark is words. Proclamation of words is a mark, a very important part of the mission of Jesus. Followers of Jesus, you and I, have a very important message that needs to be heard. In the midst of a world of hopelessness and despair and brokenness and confusion and conspiracy theories and fear, ours is a message of hope and light and purpose and meaning and forgiveness and grace and clarity that is life-changing. Our world needs to hear the message of Jesus. It needs to hear the message of the kingdom of God. But we must be careful about how we proclaim the words we proclaim and what words we proclaim. The very word gospel means good news. When we share the gospel, we share good news. The church, followers of Jesus, are often viewed by culture as condemning, critical, accusatory, negative. And there's a reason for that. And the reason simply is, is that sometimes we are. Often, way more often than we should be. Our culture is not hungry for criticism or condemnation. Our culture is hungry for hope and truth and forgiveness and love and acceptance. Our culture is hungry for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus understood this, but the religious establishment did not. Their focus was always on what they were against, who they were against, and how everyone but them were messing it up. Jesus' mission demonstrated what he was for, who he was for, how all who were broken and sinful could find acceptance, forgiveness, love, and another chance. The words we speak and how we speak these words have a powerful influence on whether the gospel is impacting or not. The words we speak, how we speak these words, have a powerful influence on whether the gospel is impacting or not, received or not. Some of our most impacting words, some of our more exciting opportunities will come within the context of relationship and trust. We earn our right to be heard because we have invested in the lives of others, genuinely caring for them. Our greatest asset of words 
is our own story of how Jesus, of how the gospel, the good news has changed our lives. Words are an important part of the mission of Jesus. The second mark is deeds. Deeds are also a mark or an important part of the mission of Jesus. Jesus' ministry demonstrated that words were important, but in themselves were not enough. Words must be accompanied by deeds. James tells us that faith without works is dead, that belief and action go together. They're inseparable. Jesus' ministry tells us that words and deeds go together, that truth and a demonstration of the Holy Spirit power go together. Just as faith without works is empty, so are words without a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit if we are going to effectively live out the mission of Jesus. What we proclaim and believe must be demonstrated in our lives as the Holy Spirit works in us and through us. Many churches believe that the day of miracles has passed. I don't believe that. I believe that today is a day of miracles. Many churches say that the Holy Spirit's work was necessary in the early church, but with the completion of the Bible, the Holy Spirit no longer functions as he did back then. I don't believe that. I believe that to live the mission in the kingdom of God, we need the empowering and work of the Holy Spirit as much today as they did in the early church. If we do not have the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we will never live the mission with effectiveness. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit instead of depending on the wisdom of man. We need the leading of the Holy Spirit instead of charting our own path. We need the power of the Holy Spirit instead of operating out of our own talents, experiences, and abilities. If we stop seeing the miraculous, if we stop seeing the Holy Spirit moving, if we stop seeking the presence of God among us, we are in trouble. Deeds and the miraculous are an important part of the mission of Jesus. They are marks. The third mark is justice. The religious establishment in Jesus' day had created a standard of spirituality that they believed all God-fearing people should follow. Jesus came on the scene and broke most of their rules. He was viewed by them as one who was not living up to the spiritual expectation of God. He went to the wrong places. He ate with the wrong people. He made room for sinners. He didn't understand the mission as far as they were concerned. And that's why they rejected him. But the truth is, it was the religious elite who didn't understand the mission. It's important to understand that the poor, the broken, the sinful, the marginalized, the victims have always been a priority with God. God has always been about restoring, releasing, recovering. God has always been a champion of the underdog. Justice is anchored in the very heart of God. And so as his people who carry out his mission, we must be people who, yes, proclaim the good news with words, operate under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, yes, with deeds, but also are committed to bring justice to this world, especially to those who have no voice. Many churches, leaders, 
followers of Jesus are afraid of social justice. They're afraid that it will somehow rob the gospel, take away focus from the gospel. It is true that we can become so involved in one aspect of the mission that the other aspects of the mission get neglected. But may I suggest today that justice is the gospel. Without it, the mission is incomplete. Our claim in our church as classical Pentecostals is the empowering of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission of Jesus. So then who is better positioned to demonstrate justice than those who claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit, who claim to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the mission? We should be setting the bar. We should be leading the charge for our work in the areas of social justice. Who better to do these things than those who are spirit empowered? Folks, without justice, there is no gospel and there is no mission of Jesus. If you are going to embrace the mission of Jesus, justice must be a part of it. In conclusion this morning, our culture is not hungry for criticism and condemnation. Our culture is hungry for hope, truth, forgiveness, love, and acceptance. Our culture is hungry for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit if we are going to effectively live out the mission of Jesus. And without justice, there is no gospel, and there is no mission of Jesus. To move forward, we need to be reminded of the mission of Jesus and take the necessary course of action to ensure that we are where we should be doing what we should be doing.
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. the name above every other name, Jesus the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh we live for you.
Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that something from this service today has been meaningful for you. If we can assist you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out. Email us, call us. We want to pray for you. We want to help you. We want to be there for you as best we can. God bless you, and we pray that you'll have a great week. Thank you.